This is COVID Conversations. I'm Erin Ransford, and I'm here with our host, Dr. Ismail Nabil. Dr. Nabil is a Deputy Medical Director of Employee Health, Safety, and Wellness for the Mount Sinai Health System and an Associate Professor in the Department of Environmental Medicine and Public Health at the Icon School of Medicine. He is a Fellow of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine and is the Chair of ACOM's Council on Scientific Affairs. Today is November 17, 2022. On this episode, we discuss the tridemic of COVID-19, influenza, and RSV, what to expect this holiday season, and how to stay safe. Hi, Dr. Nabil. It's great to talk to you today. We have a lot to talk about. Yes. Thanks, Erin. Looking forward to this conversation, of course. Yeah. It's all about triple threat. The tridemic. RSV, COVID, flu, all sorts of fun stuff going into the holiday season. I know. I And uh, you can't even make this up. Unfortunately, we are seeing a rise in respiratory sensational virus, commonly known as RSV. We have seen increased circulation of these interesting viruses, which were for most people unknown. There's a significant increase in the number of cases for fall, winter season. And the news are especially difficult for the young ones. But I want to talk about how it's impacting the workers and adults and how it's impacting the workforce. Yeah, I think most people think of RSV as a disease that infants can get. And more and more, we're hearing of young adults and older adults as well that are contracting RSV. You're absolutely right. The disease itself, the RSV, is more impactful in younger kids or young children where there's a high degree of mortality. But it does impact older adults as well as young adults. And we do have people less than 50 have been impacted by RSV and have symptoms mostly restricted to respiratory tract, but it basically puts them at increased risk of other infections. And if you have comorbidities, it might be more impactful for one's health. And the important thing to understand that the symptoms of all these three respiratory diseases are more or less similar. Right, which makes it challenging. And I, I know we have an easy test for everybody has COVID tests in their house. Flu, at least it can be diagnosed easily by a physician. Typically, there's tests for that. And I know there's vaccines for COVID and vaccines for flu. But is there a vaccine for RSV? Unfortunately, no. So there's no vaccine available that we can readily give for people who are suffering from RSV. It's been on the rise. About 10 to 15 percent of U.S. population is experiencing some degree of positive test for RSV. We are seeing an increased resurgence of RSV across all states. It's trending up. There's a test for RSV, right? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. So we, we can test for all respiratory virus and we can differentiate whether this is an RSV case or an influenza case or a COVID-19 case. And we've been doing that for some time, even before the pandemic. We are able to differentiate between the influenza and RSV cases. The important thing to realize is RSV impacts adults differently than young kids. And the recovery rates are much faster for these individuals. If you're not having respiratory symptoms or you don't have a fever or chills and you're recovering and you're recovered from RSV, you can essentially come back to work. In terms of flu, sometimes it takes a week or so to get settled and you're less infectious and you can come back to work. So th there's definitely a reasonable difference between the two diseases. 
But the only over-the-counter rapid antigen tests available are for COVID, correct? True. The rapid tests that's in markets are usually identify COVID, but there is now with the resurgence of influenza and RSV, rapid flu testing is also now commonly provided in different clinics. But it still needs to be done to differentiate between COVID and flu and then RSV cases. So do isolation periods differ for each of these three diseases? Correct. Yes. So influenza, it might take you about a week. Uh, you should be without fever or chills and then have disappearing symptoms or you're recovering from the disease. RSV tend to have a shorter incubation period as well as people tend to recover from RSV quickly. And then we can, once they are afebrile or does not have fever or other respiratory symptoms, we can safely return them back to work. And COVID, as you all know, we isolate regardless as soon as you're diagnosed or you're symptomatic for five days and then gradually return to work after five days. Uh, so there's definitely a difference in terms of isolation periods. Is masking an effective method to prevent contracting any of these diseases and or spreading them? Of course. All respiratory viruses, if you masked up, if you feel symptomatic, you're able to transmit the virus more readily. If you're not masked, these respiratory droplets can transmit the infection from one person to another. The interesting thing about this is, since we've been masking for two and a half years, it's an easy thing to talk about with patients or employees to minimize the transmission, especially in vulnerable places like hospitals where we see patients with immunocompromised conditions. So it's an easy fix. Hand washing is another important thing. Using hospital gowns, gloves, Extend precautions that any healthcare workers need to take, I think, minimize the spread of infection, particularly for RSV. And usually the spread is also similar to what we have seen in COVID. It's like you can contaminate the surface if you're sick, and then with sneeze or cough, you can transmit the virus to other person. And we see seasonal increase in these viruses, of course. This time it's pretty interesting because the surge of the RSV started pretty early. And we usually see in colder months when there's more transmission that occurs. In some circles, it seems that prolonged isolation due to COVID might have helped fuel these viruses, both for influenza, RSV, and the COVID. It's kind of a perfect storm. <laughs> it always is. And I, I think we have the tools to take care of patients for COVID, influenza, and for RSV. Again, a milder disease for adults, but influenza definitely can impact one's health. And especially you are more vulnerable if you have underlying disease or you're immune compromised. We do have medications that we can give to patients who suffers from influenza. But the biggest thing to prevent influenza is to get vaccinated. And this is the right time to get vaccinated because if you've been given influenza vaccine, you probably have reduction in symptoms and also minimizing morbidity and reduction of hospitalization. So it's the right thing to do. And it does protect others from the transmission of the virus. The most other important thing that I want to highlight is most people are reluctant to get flu and COVID vaccine together. But this year, we have given a lot of individuals both flu and COVID vaccines together without any issues whatsoever. Are you seeing any patients that have more than one of these three diseases at the same time? Um, we do. Uh, yes, uh, that's a very interesting, important question. I think you can have uh, two infections simultaneously 
it's rare, but it is definitely possible. RSV and another form of influenza virus could infect an individual. But it's not unusual to see that as we are seeing more and more cases of these infections. The important thing for flu viruses is usually it takes a week when flu viruses can be detected up to five to seven days. Individuals, their first three to four days are highly contagious. Some symptoms begin two days after the fact but the symptoms could last for four days. And the influenza vaccine can prevent this extended period of time of sickness. So I, I think it's it's imperative to think about getting vaccinated. And it takes time to develop immunity after the vaccine. How long? I know for COVID, it was two weeks after your last shot. Is it similar for flu? It's more or less similar to what we have seen for COVID. For this year, we're seeing there is a good match of the flu vaccine with the circulating virus, which is always good news. Most of the time, we don't have a right match of the influenza vaccine with the right virus, and we try to to do the best to minimize the cases or transmission. But that's not always the case. But this year, I think we have a good match. The issue we are facing as a nation is this vaccine hesitancy, which most people are reluctant to get vaccine. There is a a lot of people who are tired of getting vaccinated. And I think that is also fueling the infection in some of the unvaccinated population. The interesting thing about COVID-19 here, which I want to highlight is, we have not seen the surge of COVID-19 infections, what we have seen in the past, particularly this time of the year, when we have seen the rise of Omicron infection for COVID-19. We have seen a lot more variants that are now active, but we have not seen that surge that we have witnessed in the same time last year, November, December. One of the things that might help is the vaccination previous history of infection might have um, hampered this wave of infection coming through. Well, and we still don't have as accurate of a reporting as we did earlier in the pandemic when the only available tests were through a physician's office. Correct. Yeah. And then that, that makes the prediction or understanding of transmission of infection very, very difficult. But I do agree that it seems to be if people are getting COVID now, it's maybe their first time, maybe their second time, because most people are vaccinated and have had multiple shots, that it's pretty mild. Not everybody, of course, not everybody, but it's not a death sentence anymore. It kind of felt like that at the beginning of the pandemic. And that's definitely uh, the change that we're seeing. And that has impacted people's desire to get vaccinated, which is very, very important at this time, even for COVID-19 infections. One of the change we are seeing is Omicron has a two big subvariants that we are seeing. One is taking hold in Southeast Asia, particularly from Singapore, subvariant of XBB virus, which is a little bit different than the virus that originated from Omicron BA1. So we here in U.S., particularly in New York, the subvariant that is more common is BQ1.1 or BQ1 or BQ1.8. And this is important distinction that we need to make. The reason behind that is if we have a descendant of a virus, which is coming from Omicron BA1, the vaccines we have, which is a bivalent vaccine, which we talked about in the last conversation, theoretically should protect you against the subvariants which are descendant of 
Omicron 1 or Omicron 5 because we have that vaccine formulation. And that might not be the case for XBB, which uh, does not have a direct descendants from BA4 or BA5. And so that, that will be a challenge. Real world data is still not clear. We will see more evidence supporting that. But the bottom line here is, I think get vaccinated. It will ultimately protect you against Omicron as well. So we have two vaccines readily available influenza and COVID-19 vaccines. And there's some evidence that there will be a vaccine forthcoming for RSV. There's two manufacturers, GSK and Pfizer's, have been working on vaccine development. GSK has reported 82% of efficacy and Pfizer has reported 86% of efficacy for RSV. But again, these are not yet available to be administered. Are they mRNA vaccines? Um, I don't have additional information in terms of the vaccine development or the uh, platform that they've been using. Do you anticipate that future COVID boosters will include the new variants that are currently being seen overseas? XBB or whatever you said it was. (laughs) And that's what I, I think that we will look at COVID as we boost the population against the new emerging viruses or sub variants. And the vaccine development will follow the trend as we do for flu. And that will be extremely important in terms of matching the circulating strain with the matching vaccine that has that strain that covers that strain. It's always difficult. We still have continued evolution of our understanding of the Omicron virus itself. So I I think over time we will have a better understanding of how to protect, how to cover these subvariants that's emerging across the world. Do you think a COVID booster will happen annually like the flu shot? Oh, very much so. With a, with a new a new mix? <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. And then there is a renewed interest in terms of building in messenger RNA platform for flu vaccinations as well. So both flu and COVID with multiple variants can be given as the same shot in one shot. So there's some increased activity and trials have been uh, starting up to look at this question to provide vaccination for both flu and COVID together. This year, we we have it separate and in foreseeable future, we might see a combination of vaccine together. So when we take care of one influenza infection through vaccines, we can also prevent COVID-19 disease with vaccination. Great. So it sounds like the best way to protect ourselves from the tridemic is get vaccinated. Your flu shot, your updated COVID boosters, and hopefully we'll get that RSV vaccine out soon. I hope so. And it's important to protect every one of us, including our loved ones. And I think uh, as we get together for Thanksgiving, we want to protect our loved ones and we want to protect our coworkers. And I think the best way to do that is to get the protection you need to fend off infections like influenza and COVID. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dr. Nabil. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays to you as well.